This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast. Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. With the post game comes Dewey Burke, Gregory Hall running the live YouTube chat. I have figured out my computer. Carolina's going to the final four. Dewey, <laughs> we've done this show before um, in 2017, so we certainly remember what it's like, but I don't think it was like this. Your overall thoughts? Just on the whole thing or just this game? Where do you want me to start, Tommy? Just uh, let's try to break it down this game. And then we'll – I don't think we can talk about this game, though, without talking about the whole thing right from the jump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so quickly on this game, I thought they were very focused, locked right in. I thought defensively from the first possession, we were into them, took them out of everything we wanted to do. They got nothing easy. And I uh, was really proud of the way we defended and then started to get going offensively. And we were just too big and, and too talented for them. But you would have said the same about Purdue or Kentucky and – and obviously some of the teams that they beat, but uh, we were up to the task in no way did we look past them, which I was so encouraged by. And, um, you know, didn't play great in the second half, but had, had obviously done enough early and uh, man, they're rolling right now and they are together and they believe in each other. And um, it's a confident group, which is pretty cool to see. It's uh, it's, it's the most remarkable thing that I, have seen obviously in my time as part of the Carolina program, which goes, goes to 2003. So when coach came, so in 19 years, this is the most remarkable thing I've seen. Yeah. I mean, maybe the 2000 run um, when they were sort of discombobulated all season and then put it together. But Gregory, I mean, you've covered them all year. Um, you've seen them up close. You've seen them up close when they've looked really bad. Um, to Dewey's point there, this team has looked fantastic, as good as they've certainly played since 2019, and they've just strung together a run. St. Peter's game, you know, they were supposed to win it, but the fact that they did and did it the way they were supposed to um, and left no doubt speaks a hell of a lot about this team, this coaching staff, and this mindset that these guys have. Yeah, and what did we say that needed to happen today, right? Baycott was going to get his – but he did more than that. He became the first player to drop a 2020 game in the Elite Eight or later since Hakeem Olajuwon in 1983. He tied uh, Tim Duncan's single-season double-doubles record with 29. And then we were like, who else is going to step up? Well, it was Brady. He made four threes, 19 points, eight rebounds. And it just kind of speaks to this team has gone in with a game plan. Every game, uh, 
since honestly, since they lost to Pitt, but obviously the Virginia Tech game didn't, didn't work out that way, but they have gone in with a game plan, played that game plan, and then diverted off of it if necessary. And today the game plan was enough to get out to a lead and went and get out early and then kind of put it away. And then when St. Peter's figured some things out, UNC was just kind of in, we're, we're just going to keep it and win. And that's exactly what happened. You could tell the firepower wasn't necessarily there, um, but it, it didn't need to be. So obviously people are going to look at the second half and whatnot, but still the 31 to 30 in the second half. So it's not like UNC lost the second half by any means, but it just shows what this team has been able to do and do it perfectly. And now they're in the final four, which none of us, I don't care who you are. None of us thought this team was going to get to this point this season until recently. Do we, to the point of not looking ahead, focusing on the task at hand, having a game plan against these guys. I mean, Duke's next. Nobody <laughs> could have fault of faulted anybody on Carolina's roster for looking ahead. Nobody could have um, said, well, they shouldn't have done that, or I, I can't believe they did that. And they didn't. And, and you texted me right after half about the execution on the first play of the second half. I mean, ha have we seen or are we surprised about how crisp it's been and how much Hubert Davis has gotten these guys to buy in over the last two months? I mean, it's incredible. It is. Uh, it's been a, it's been a wonderful coaching job and um, we'll never fully know uh, what it was. It took us a little time to get rhythm, but if now, it's easy now to reflectively say, well, there was an adjustment period. They were, it was a new head coach. They were used to coach Williams. They all got recruited by coach Williams and the way he did things and his system, which was 30 plus years in the making. And now here comes a, a brand new head coach with NBA experience and they're going to try things a little differently. And so that adjustment period, it took, it feels like until about a month ago or five, six weeks ago. And they, ever since then, they've just been a, a different team. Um, but I think we do have to really, obviously, offensively, we've been great. You know, we've got a, a, the ability at the perimeter position to have two guys handle the ball, two guys score the ball, two guys shoot the ball. We've got a stretch four that's arguably the best shooting big in college basketball. But something changed defensively. They started to lock in and have a cohesiveness and cover each other and communicate on that end of the floor. And that has been what's changed because we, if you go back and look at box scores early, we, we had moments where guys scored the basketball. Caleb had some good games early. Mondo had good games early. Uh, but it was not until we started defending as a unit that this really changed. And I tell you what, they, they guarded in this game and have guarded for four games Um and that's the most impressive thing to me because they're going to need all that and then some to guard those guys on Saturday. So um, that is that is to me what's most impressive. They're buying on the defensive end um, and just overall their togetherness. They trust each other now. And I don't know that that was the case. And, uh, boy, it's been really fun to watch. Speaking of guarding, first half, uh, St. Peter's 22.6% from the floor. 
of 30% from the game for the game for those guys. And it was interesting to see. And one thing that made me um, question whether this game would go as it did is St. Peter's worked Kentucky and they beat Purdue not playing well. And Carolina refused to allow that to happen because of what you say, do we, because of the way they guarded. Uh, I mean, and it goes to the head of the snake for North Carolina. Leaky Black was just fantastic again. I mean, Eddard, 0 for 5, 0 for 3 from 3. I um, had no shot. The guards for them, Banks, 2 for 8. I mean, Lee, 0 for 6. I mean, those were the engines that made those guys run. And Leaky, it, it's a team game, 100%. But they could have a Leaky cam out there. And to see the way he fights through screens, whether he goes over or under them, and then gets in position without fouling for the most part. Dewey, he's as good as anybody that's done it at Carolina, quite frankly. He, there have been some great ones. He is, and and he has – and, again, one of those things we won't know, but the maturation – I, I want to make a point that I do believe that he is the healthiest he's ever been yes. this year, and that is a huge component to his success. So you couple that with – the finality of it being your last year and wanting to rewrite your legacy and Jackie Manuel being on staff and the confidence that Hubert has in him, uh, all those things coupled together uh, and accepting your role that you're not going to be a scorer. Um, but to your point, his defensive fundamentals and the things that we practice in defensive stations for now, they're going to end up having 125 practices this year. And we do defensive stations every single day. And his commitment to those fundamentals, whether it's shadowing screens when they're running guys um, off double baselines, you know, UCLA did that a lot for Juzang. And I think he made one mistake that I could recall in terms of taking a bad path, uh, being there on the catch, having a hand up, denying the passing lane, helping on ball screens, communicate. I mean, the UCLA game was the first game I was at in person for me to be able to watch him. And he was masterful off the ball as well. I mean, he, he's great on the ball and he's, his length helps. And tonight he was able to take smaller shooters out of their comfort zone. But he he is actually uh, even better than I realized because I had not seen him in person until Friday. And I was – I mean, I was sitting there saying – and I actually literally talked to Coach Williams at halftime and I said, I can't believe how good Leakey is off the ball. And then Coach Williams is the one who said to me, he said, Dewey, he's finally healthy. And so – there's a, there's a lot of things going into that, um, but you're happy for a kid that struggled for for a while here, and now people, we're going to remember this leaky, which is great. Yeah, five yeah. points, four rebounds, five assists, three blocks, two steals, plus twenty, and the plus and minus. That's Leaky's line. Doug Eddard, zero for five. Like, it's unbelievable. Non-fighter. Yeah, and, and that's you know they were like they can't let this guy get loose and. I watched Purdue game. I watched the Kentucky game that they played, and they always got open. And those teams were pretty good. Uh, and yet Carolina shut them down completely. Question from the chat, Dewey. Uh, compare what Amondo has done defensively to what Kennedy Meeks was able to do in 2017. I mean, that's another thing. Armando quit committing the stupid fouls, and he's blown up on the defensive end as well. He has, Tommy, and we talked – preseason, early season, first two months of the season that we had no rim protection. It was a theme of the things we talked about. We talked about it after the Kentucky game. 
we talked about it after the Purdue game. We talked about it after the Tennessee game that we did not have rim protection. And if we couldn't start guarding the ball, that we were going to have a long season with teams doing whatever they wanted on us when they had the ball. And Armando has figured out positioning, understanding angles, understanding playing without fouling. And he's become a legitimate rim protector and shot blocker. Um, and an unbelievably elite rebounder as well. I mean, I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you were going to say compare the run he's on right now to what Sean did in 2005. And I thought that's what you were going to say. Comparing him to Kennedy is is uh, also very high praise because Kennedy obviously didn't statistically do what Armando's done. He had a lot more help. Um, but he's on a run right I mean, how many rebounds do he have today? He had 23 rebounds? 22. I, and it's, 22. Yeah. Third, I mean, third time he's had 22. He can't get 23. Yeah, I mean, he's putting up Sean May-like numbers. And, uh, boy, he's a couple great performances away from – being where he probably already deserves to be, which is up in the rafters. If that guy's not the ACC player of the year, I mean, it's a dead issue now, but I mean, good Lord. And when he went down, I lost a couple years off my life. Especially after what happened to that Villanova kid last night. When you saw that, oh man, saw him reach for the back of his kneecap. That that was scary, but he's been great. Um, Just happy for him and – Nobody wants any part of him. He's the best big in the country right now. Yeah, don't don't get me started on the ACC awards. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it it should not have been close on really. Quite frankly, all three of the big ones: defensive player of the year, player of the year, and coach of the year. Um, if they actually voted once seasons were complete, but it is what it is. There, um, I'm sure Baycott would prefer a Final Four to a trophy oh, yeah. on his mantle for sure no doubt. Uh, um so compare it to sean may's run do we because sean may flat out went off in 2005 from from like late january to the end of the season i mean we're we're seeing similar type things from armando without question you are i mean uh, let's be fair i mean sean's skill level offensively was was superior to armando just in terms of his hands his footwork his ability to step out and shoot um, he was one of the most gifted bigs that that's ever played at Carolina in terms of his skill level. And it was conditioning that Sean needed and that he committed to that led him to go on that run. But it, as far as rebounding on par, you could argue Armando has been better. And then defensively Armando is better than Sean ever was uh, on that, that end of the floor. Um, and, and, and let's be fair. Also, Sean had a lot more help. I mean, he had, a ton of NBA talent on that team. As we all know, you know, when Sean got a blow, he got a blow and it was Marvin that was coming in. You know, not only does Mondo not get a blow, there's nobody even to look over there that can even come close to keeping the level that he's at. And so given that, you've got to give unbelievable credit to Armando and the level he's playing at and, and what we said, staying on the floor and uh, finishing with both hands. That move he made in the first half, I will tell you, was the most Sean-like move he's made. The there was a shot. Move? He got the offensive rebound. Yes. Oh, he took beautiful. two dribbles to the middle, drop step, finish left. I mean, that was a Sean May-type move. Um, but let's talk about that, too. We, we, gave, we gave Jackie credit, we think, for influencing Leakey in a way. Well, this is Sean's first season on the bench. And sure, he's been around Armando, but he hasn't been able to coach him. Right. He's been he's been DBO or whatever. He wasn't on the floor. 
And so now he's been able to be on the floor now for 125 practices, like I said, for call it, call it a year since Sean got on the bench. And so you have to think between him and Coach Sullivan, you know, guys that did it at such a high level as bigs have had a dramatic impact on how well Armando is playing. And then I, I, another point, and we should get into it, is the confidence that Hubert instills in his kids. You have seen, I think, get them to where they are now. They probably were, were hearing him but not believing him as he was saying those things, October, November, December. Now they believe him and in turn believe in themselves. And so this is a team that has rhythm and is together and they're not scared of anybody. They're not scared of these guys on Saturday. They're not scared of Kansas if we see them. I mean, they didn't even beat anybody. And that confidence is a big part of why we're here. Two things that you brought up the other teams. One, Carolina is the only program to go to the final four in the last nine decades. I didn't think this would be the team that got them there this decade, but they did. And I think that is remarkable. Um, and then you're looking at who's in the final four, UNC, Duke, Kansas, Villanova. That's absurd. And I think it's pretty, it's going to be a really cool weekend regardless. Um, it's just the nine decades thing is just, it just, that's just crazy to me. The, uh, I didn't see them all. I saw them starting in the seventies. So I was waiting for that joke to come. Thank you for not doing that, Gregory. We I'm got 982 that. people in here. I can't, I can't embarrass yeah. you in our, Almost our largest crowd of, of all time here. We need to push it over a thousand. We had well over a thousand um, at the coaching change. We need to get it up there now. Maybe next weekend. Talking about this coming week, uh, do we? What's it like as a player? I mean, let me do, let me back up. What's it like as a player, former player, seeing these guys get there? Hubert started crying right as soon as the horn went off. You knew that was coming. Yeah. He's that type guy. But as a former player, I know you're texting all your buddies and all. What's it like for you guys to see um, your younger brothers uh, get it done? Well, you just – we talked about this after the Duke game. Because uh, up until that game, this team and these players had, had, had not had a moment. They didn't have a moment in their time where – people that listen to these podcasts and post on the message boards will, will always talk about them. And now they've had several. And that's what's really cool. I mean, the teams I was on, people still talk to us about winning that Cameron in 2006, right? People still talk to me about the Henderson Hansborough elbow, right? So you have things that leave a legacy no matter how you, you arrive at it. Uh, if you do something great and why as former players, you feel so good for this group and for Hubert, obviously is now they have those moments that regardless of what happens, they made it to a final four and they won at Cameron on Krzyzewski's last night. So they've now had moments that are etched in the history of Carolina basketball that otherwise, if those two things didn't happen, you, you maybe wouldn't be able to say that because it is fair, in my view, it is fair to say that there are certainly teams that, again, just keep it in my 19 years, that you don't necessarily really remember all that well. You remember certain players and a play they made, but you don't remember specific things they did. We will remember forever 
this team winning at Cameron and making a run to the final four, regardless of what happens. And so that's, that's what gives you goosebumps for that team and these kids to experience that and what that feels like in the locker room. Um, that's, that's what we're talking about is how happy we are for them to get to have a moment. Yeah, Dewey, when, preach that. when you and I did this post game, just the two of us, do you remember it was after, it was after the Virginia game, right? And you said that this team didn't have our trust yet. Would you say that that is not the case anymore? It's not the case. Yeah, I mean, they've earned it. They've earned it. But like I talked about earlier, they've earned it defensively. I mean, they, they have impressed me with their cohesiveness on the defensive end of the floor, uh, their communication, and their ability to, to take the fight to whomever they're playing. And obviously, we had the stretch against Baylor that we would complete chaos. And I, I honestly, I think it's fair. We played four games. You got to pull that, those 10 minutes out. It was an outlier, no Brady, no Caleb. You got to pull that out. Cause that was, that was pure chaos. Referee swallowed their whistles. It, that was madness. You take that out and the other three and a half games, they've been brilliant on that end of the floor. UCLA is really good. We didn't talk after the UCLA game. UCLA is really good. And uh, they present matchup issues, and they also run really good stuff. I mean, that was the other thing that I remarked about being in the arena. UCLA runs great stuff, and uh, we were just so good defensively. So that is why I trust them now, Greg, is the way they've played defensively. Um, and then you couple that with the confidence they have on the offensive end. I mean, every time Caleb shoots it, he thinks it's going in. Every time Brady shoots it, he thinks it's going in. Every time RJ shoots it, he thinks it's going in. Right, Mono gets the ball in the paint. He thinks he's scoring or getting fouled. And so we've got a rhythm on both ends of the floor that we were nowhere near when you and I talked after that Virginia game. Yeah, we got a lot more to talk about, but I'm going to take a break because the national guys want to get an ad in when we go longer on these podcasts. But first, got to talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. <laughs> they get Final Four gear already ready for you to it's get. All, I mean, it's already up. You can already order it. I mean, it's almost like they made it early. Who would have known? Johnny T-shirt and Johnny T-shirt.com. The way to get all your gear um, for not just next weekend, but the rest of the year and the rest of your life as a Carolina fan. Check them out. I was in there on Saturday with my man Gregory. Uh, and it was popping on a Saturday. It was on a non-game Saturday. No teams in town. It was a great time on Franklin Street. But National guys pay the bills. We're coming back. Carolina's going to the final four to play a team that we know a little bit about. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're back with Post Game Podcast Live 
Gregory Hall, man in the wheels, Dewey Burke joining us, got the band back together and have a pile of folks in the chat. So ask your questions. If you'd like to be heard, I'll do my best to read them as Gregory um, puts them together. But Dewey, looking ahead to this final four week, what's it like? What's it like for these guys? I mean, they've gone through COVID. They've gone through tournaments with no fans. Now they've gotten to experience, make those memories, their own memories and stories that Hubert's preached all season. And now they are uh, five days, six days away from playing the team right down the road in New Orleans, one of Carolina's favorite places to be for Final Four weekend. Yeah, I mean, it's I can't believe that we're playing them. Uh, it's just incredible. So as much hype and and attention as there is in a regular Final Four uh, that we're playing them is just astounding. I mean, my phone, like everybody's, is exploding. I mean, it's just uh, it's just incredible. And um, so that is going to take it to a level that I don't think's ever been experienced. You know, I mean, I don't know what it must have felt like in 2017 when those guys got back to the Final Four after after Villanova lost in 16. I don't know what that must have felt like to climb that mountain again. Um, but I, the, the combination of everything in play here is so unbelievable, right? The unexpectedness of this run for us, Hubert's first year, Krzyzewski's last year, the way we played at their place, and also the way they beat us in the first game, right? The dichotomy of those two uh, results to culminate here that, I mean, we're, you know, on, we're saying on our, on our group chat, we have, now we have the chance to put Krzyzewski in his grave. Or return. We, we can put him in his, yeah, we can put him in his grave, you know, uh, which is just an unbelievable opportunity. I, I do believe the pressure will still will be on them. I still believe that the pressure's on them. They're going to be out for revenge and I get that and all those things, but I still think we can play free. We're not supposed to be there. One seed, one seed, two seed, eight seed, Carolina, bubble team, all the stuff they said about us. I tell you what, I think Hubert has an awesome opportunity to set their mindset or continue their mindset um, of being free and being together and being loose because the pressure on the kids from Duke to perform now and because they're so close to sending him out that way, I think is just monumental. Uh, I can't wait for it. Uh, it's just going to be, it's like Armageddon, it feels like. Yeah. It, it is. So let me ask you this as a player, from a player standpoint, and I know how you feel, but the rest of your guys, a lot of Carolina fans don't want it to happen, never wanted it to happen. I've always said, don't care to see it in the national championship game um, because that game would outweigh anything that ever happened ever in the rivalry. But for a national semifinal, I think it's pretty epic. Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall have been cheering Chaos. since the tournament started. What, what's the take from the former guys? I got to think that all the former players love any chance there is to get a piece of Duke. Oh, yeah. Oh, you relish it. I mean, you, you, you wanted this. You wanted this if you're, if you're a player. No question. I mean, you, you try not to look ahead, but obviously this conversation started happening when we beat Baylor. So it's been going on. That's, I mean, it's the one you want. You know, you want to hang a banner. You want to beat the best, and they're one of the best. You know, certainly the most talented team left 
And so, oh yeah, I mean, certainly nobody I played with would be backing down from this. And that's, that's all I can give you because, you know, the guys that I know, um, but oh yeah, you want this one. Coach Williams would want this one as competitive as he is. You know, I mean, come on, let's go. Absolutely. Carolina and Duke at the late game, I think 849 or whatever the time starts from New Orleans next Saturday night. Um, I, I do find it um, pretty incredible. You mentioned it just a second ago, the confluence of events that have happened. Good word. I know I have to do a big one once in a while. And, and for all of this to line up, I will say that Lavelle Moten tweeted out and shout out to Lavelle. We need to get him on this podcast sometime. Um, he tweeted out that the Duke game at Cameron was huge for both teams because it gave Cam it gave Carolina the belief and it gave Duke some focus um, that they may not have had. So I'd certainly take his point there. Gregory, I'm going to steal one of your questions um, from the YouTube chat. And Dewey, I'll ask this. And clearly there's a lot of basketball left to be played. But if you have to pick somebody, if you had to pick a most important player on this Carolina team, um, who are you picking, Dewey, at this point in the season, whatever they're in, 36, 37 games in? Who's it been? I don't know how I don't know how you choose between the starting five because of what each of them brings to the table. Um, I, I still think you asked me this question, who's Carolina's most important player in our preseason podcast? And my answer was Caleb Love. And that was before I think we we knew not not I think that was before we knew that he was gonna hand the keys to RJ and play Caleb off the ball. Right. And so I thought because Caleb was gonna continue to play point that we would go as he went. And, uh, boy, when he plays well, we are really hard to beat. And, uh, but at the same time, why did we win at Cameron among many reasons is because RJ had that thing on a string and controlled that whole basketball game and got everybody in spots to be successful, shot the ball. Great. Got to the rim, you know? So, uh, the most irreplaceable though is Armando because without him, we, we can't protect the rim. We're, we're going to get beat on the glass. And we're exceedingly small. Um, and how do you how do you figure our offense hums along without Brady at the stretch four? And how does our defense have the cohesiveness without Leaky? Right. So they've become this unit um, that is the sum of its parts. And you take one of them out, and I think we crumble. And you saw a little of that. It was two of them out in that second half against Baylor. And so to, to call out a most important player, I think, uh, and I don't mean to, to, to say anything negative to the question, to call out a most important player it would be an insult to who they are right now, which is a unit. They are a five-piece unit that uh, if one of them was gone or one of them fouled out, they don't play the way they're playing right now. Um, so, but gun to my head, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you RJ. Okay, you interesting. Um, I think it has to be Brady because he allows the versatility to play the four, or he gives you the option to play small, like we saw a little bit today against St. Peter's. Right, like Puff came in for Baycott there a little bit, and it, it gives you the option to where you can match up to the other team, regardless of how they want to play, right? Like St. Peter's is a smaller team and you take out Baycott and you let Mannix still do what he wants to do. And 
still create a matchup problem, even though you're matching St. Peter's smallness. Um, it is just his ability to cut and move. And he's such an innate cerebral player that when he's not getting a, he's missing a shot the next time he's making a backdoor cut, right? Like his just ability to either get hot or make the right play makes him value invaluable. But like Dewey said, there's a reason why these five guys have played almost 900 possessions together. And it's because without, when they're not all five on the floor, the efficiency drops rightfully. So, um, and it's just their ability to just constantly improve while together is, is one of the more impressive things I've ever seen. Um, and certainly it's the best, it, it might be the best five in my four in the last four years I've covered it, it might be better than the starting five in what would that be? 18, 18, 19, 19 20, and 21, 19. I think it might be a better starting five than 19 when they play together. Not looking at team aspect, but just better starting five. It, it might be. They've been fantastic. Dewey, I love your answer there. And that's such a, a, a coach, former guy answer. I mean, they're all necessary um, to do what they do. I, I'd have to pick Baycott, especially this coming weekend, because the teams that they could play, I mean, Duke's obviously got a big uh, Mark Williams, and then Kansas has got McCormack that is going to be a problem if Baycott's not on the floor, if they got to that point. So I think Baycott's huge. I'm going to be interested to see. Do we think anything uh, – do we think the game plan changes at all? Clearly, do we – we're looking way ahead now to Saturday night, but Carolina had some success, obviously, and Cameron did not have success the first game. How much do coaching staffs tweak game to game between the same two teams if something really worked? Well, let, let's talk about the opponent because they've made a big change because they've got Roach starting and playing the predominance of the minutes, whereas Keels was still playing a lot more. And Roche has been fantastic. And if they have a rhythm now uh, with him handling the ball a lot more often. Him and Moore together running the show. And Keel's really playing off the ball and being being a six-man, but not, not a huge part of what their success has been in these four games. I still don't think Duke is great defensively. And I think that is our opportunity. Um, they don't guard the pick and roll well. And so I think offensively, what you'll see from us will be much of the same, which is getting the ball in the hands of RJ and Caleb to try to be successful, try to get downhill, force the Duke defenders to make decisions and get the ball to a rolling Armando, kick it out to, to Brady for three. Um, where this game is going to be a little different is how well the Duke is playing offensively. Um, because I think of that change to Roach, he gives them uh, – a dynamic penetrator that they did not have when uh, when we played over at Cameron, they settled a lot in that game. And I, I did not think had much rhythm other than give it to, to Bancaro and see what he can figure out for us. And then he settled for a bunch of mid range and, and they just didn't have good rhythm. And, and the way Roach is playing, getting guys the ball in spots, Williams has stepped up his level on the offensive end uh, in terms of scoring around the rim and, and offensive rebounding and finishing. So they are also playing great and playing a level up than they were uh, that night in Cameron. But I think the big key for them is Roach and the way he has been handling the basketball and running the show for them. 
Yeah, I think he's the MVP of that Duke team. Uh, I think the press conference is getting ready to start on television, so we want people to be able to watch that as well. But, Greg, Gregory, you said you had a question. Yeah, I got a couple of things here. First of all, shout out to the almost 1,200 UNC fans in the chat watching this and hope you guys are having fun. Second, Dewey, uh, Luke DeCock of the News and Observer caught up with Roy Williams really quickly in the stands, and this is what Roy said. Mid-celebration, watching UNC get ready to cut down the nets, Roy said, it's perhaps, this is a direct quote, quote, it's perhaps for me the greatest moment in my basketball career. I've never had any more faith and love for one man and to think that he's just won it. He's been better than I ever was right now. And I know people gave Roy a lot of crap for leaving and whatnot and Hubert early in the season, but for him to say that this moment is the greatest moment in his basketball career. What does that say about him and what you know about UNC? Yeah, it's it's the bond. It's the, that's the, that's the Carolina family in, in a nutshell right there. It's right. It's, it's not about you. It's about, it's about all of us. It's about the name on the front of the Jersey, not on the back. And so, even though coach Williams didn't ever wear a Jersey and Hubert did, that's what he's telling you. He's saying, you, you know, this is so great for our program um, in terms of the next chapter. And um, it's validation for Coach Williams because, you know, I think now he, he can confirm that he stepped away at the right time for him. You know, how I feel or how certain people feel about that is a different conversation. But for all the comments about, you know, Roy, Roy left the cupboard bare, and, you know, Roy stuck us with Hubert. And this is not how a coaching search should go at a top tier program. You don't just your, your outgoing coach doesn't pick the, the next coach. And we didn't run a search. And why did we hire Mark Few? And look, we look everybody in the program read and heard all of that stuff and made mental notes. Right now, did we know that it would be this great in the first year? No. But there was a, I will tell you this, there was a little bit of a feeling amongst a lot of guys. Um, and again, the guys I know best are from 2003 to now, right? So I, I don't know the guys that well that went through the really challenging times. And I understand that. But there was a semblance or a, a feeling amongst some of us like, like, Jesus Christ, like our fans are, they, they, they flip like this quick. Can we, can we breathe for a second and see what this might become? We get it's a rocky start, but I mean, my God, I will tell you that there was that. There was that conversation, you know, with some of the guys I played with and, and was a part of the era with. It's like, my God, we're spoiled, I guess, you know? And so this is, this is a cool thing um for coach Williams certainly but I think for all of us it's like we hired a Carolina guy it's all Carolina guys on the bench and we're back in the final four where we're supposed to be um so I think that's that's pretty cool and um it makes you feel really good for coach Williams and and most importantly for for Hubert and this staff and this team then Tommy what I was gonna ask before I saw that on Twitter last time UNC played Duke there was a large buildup to that game playing on Monday and going into Saturday. This is very similar going from Sunday to Saturday and what's arguably probably going to be one of the most watched UNC Duke games in 
rivalry history. What does UNC need to do differently or not compared to the buildup of this game? Nothing. Nothing. You know, if it ain't broke, nothing. I mean, yeah, go ahead, Tommy. No, I was going to say you stole it. I was going to say nothing. I mean, it's all on Duke. And if we thought the lead up to the last game and Cameron was big, uh, wait till the lead up starts as it's already done to the final four. The last game for possibly the last game for K is Carolina and all that. It's going to be insane. It is. But what's great is, is in a way, Gregory, to your point, we just did this. Like Hubert just had a mantra that he gave these guys, right? He said, keep one foot in front of the other and ignore all sideshow distractions. Rinse and repeat, right? He gets to keep, he gets to say to them, I told you, I told you, we ignore the sideshow distractions and we, we we're right here. And they have listened, and now they're in the Final Four. So that's the great thing is, is there's not a new message. There's not anything um, that you have to change because all of the hype about can he win the sixth one, can they send him out a champion, da 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 da, da. It's, it's all going to be that. I mean, the whole tournament has still been that way. I mean, they, every time they open the coverage, it's about Krzyzewski. It's about that. I mean, it's like, good, keep doing it. ESPN, just run it, run it all week. I hope you do. And we will just do what we've done, right? Is put one foot in front of the other, ignore distractions. We have a blueprint. We get to Saturday and we go play. And that's a great thing as a coach that he doesn't have to go figure out what to say to these guys to get them through the week. We already did it. Do you think it matters that it was St. Peter's, that it was a game that UNC controlled the whole time heading into this game? Do you think that plays a role because UCLA gave him a fight and it kind of got him kept him in fight mode for St. Peter's, but then obviously UNC just owned the game. You think that, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? That was a question in the chat as well. Uh, we're playing as well as we're playing. I think, you know, I think we would have beaten Kentucky tonight. We would have beaten whomever we faced. I mean, we're on a roll right now and, and earned this with, uh, with, with the level that we've been defending at and our togetherness on the offensive end. Uh, and then obviously a, an explosive performance by Caleb against UCLA. So I don't think it matters that, you know, if they had played down a little bit and that had been more of a game, you might have a question to ask, but we came out, locked them down immediately. That was never a game. And for a team that everybody talked about St. Peter's, they, they fight their Jersey tough and blah, blah, blah. Being from Philly and Pennsylvania on the other side, like this Jersey tough thing. It was nauseating for me, but um, <laughs> for as as tough as 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 they were supposed to be, right? Uh, kids from Jersey City and kids from New York and everything. Uh, boy, we punched them in the mouth, and they never recovered. Uh, so for all the talk about Carolina being a finesse team and not being that tough and blah 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 blah, we punched them in the mouth, and that was never a game. And that's what made me feel really good. And that's what makes me say, Greg, I don't think it matters who we played. We were going to win that game. We're going to the four. We're going to get out of here here in a second. A couple narratives that have been just blown to bits. One, the ACC's down. Uh, Miami sort of crapped the bed in the second half against Kansas. Kansas is really good. Two in the final four. The Blue Bloods are down. The Blue Bloods aren't what they used to be. It's the new blood. Well, Villanova's, I guess, technically a new blood. Um, And – arguably the best team over the last five, six years. Uh, 
but Duke, Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova. What a Final Four we've got going on here. A um, couple, couple things I want to mention. Coast to Coast will be with you uh, shortly after midnight. It'll hit the airwaves. Joey Powell, Sherelle McMillan, and Sean Moran talking about this game, this weekend, and also looking ahead. We'll come back with On the Beat Live at some point. Not 100% sure what day we'll do it simply because there's travel plans um, going into effect. Gregory Hall, you better be around so we can get I, this done. I better be in New Orleans. So, Well, well it depends on, when you, <laughs> depends on when you leave. We, we will do On the Beat um, at your schedule. Um, but, Dewey, I, I, I want to – one of the happiest things I, I saw today is when you texted me earlier and said, I'm home. I'd like to do the post game with you. So I'm so glad you're able to join us, man. No, happy to do it. Yeah, I had to come home and, and be with my kids and uh, wasn't wasn't in the building with my boys, but I'll be in New Orleans, I'll tell you that. Absolutely. It's been the post-game podcast live. It's been Inside Carolina's favorite show in the last six weeks. On the beat later, Coast to Coast, coming tomorrow morning for you. Dewey Burke, Gregory Hall, Johnny T-Shirt, and johnnytshirt.com. Look, everybody in that YouTube chat needs to like it, like the YouTube and like the show. Um, I guess if you're in it, you subscribed or do that. Subscribe to the podcast. We're almost like at 12,000. Rate us, review us, and subscribe to everything you can get for Inside Carolina content. It's going to be on fire with Greg Barnes, Ross Martin, the podcast, Jim Hawkins pictures, anything you could imagine. It's going to be a big deal. On the beat live later in the week, big roundtable Final Four discussion. Boys, it's been a pleasure. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.